When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning, Pats Nation. This is the Patriots Beat Podcast. I am DJ Mees. And I'm here, Mr. Mike Nice. We're holding it down. Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Radio. Uh, it's good to be here, DJ Mees and myself. Uh, Patriots Beat, man. Patriots Beat. Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. Patriots, Patriots Nation. <laughs> Patriot Nation, what's going on? <laughs> so we are back, and, you know, it's combine time. It's draft time, but... Our only focus right now is all about Pats and what the future holds for us. So, Mr. Mike Nice, I know you have a lot on your plate right now. What's on the playlist for today? Today on the playlist here on Patriots Beat, uh, we're going to be talking about the Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski and family, party boat, cruise, whatever it is. Uh, everybody has been seeing the social media pictures on Instagram, Twitter, the videos and whatnot. And Kronkowski has got his offseason started on a crazy note. And I know DJ Mees wanted to touch touch upon that topic. So we're going to get into that conversation. Also, the Patriots recently um, rehired their former offensive line coach, Dante Starnecchia. And I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know, you know, if it's a good move, bad move. You know, it was clear to everyone to see that the offensive line was a struggle last season, and it was clear in the playoffs, especially in that AFC Championship game against the Denver Broncos. Uh, So they fired their coach and brought back the former coach, But I don't know how I feel about that, so we're going to get into that as well. Um, Also, we want to talk about possible personnel moves in terms of players' contracts. You know, Mayo recently retired, announced his retirement. Um, What should the Patriots do with with guys like Danny Amendola and and Brandon LaFell? Is their future bright on this roster? Uh, would they be sticking around for the long run? I mean, you know, Edelman has sur- has supplanted himself as, you know, the number one target for Brady. You know, Gronkowski's doing his thing, of course. But is Amendola that guy next to Edelman and, and Gronkowski that the Patriots can depend on at the wide, wide receiver position? 
What about LaFell? We saw how his first season was in a Patriots uniform. And then last season, um, coming off the injury, trying to fight, work his way back into shape, football shape, he really struggled last year. And, you know, there was a lot of times, a lot of games in spots where, you know, the Patriots, Tom Brady, depending on him to make some big plays and catches, and he just... He just wasn't performing the way he did in his first season in the Patriots uniform. So uh, what's his role going to be? What does his future look like moving forward with this Patriots team? And, you know, whatever else comes on the on the plate here on the Patriots Beat Podcast between DJ Mees and myself, we're going to touch upon. DJ Mees, what's up, my man? So on this podcast, we will be interviewing Steve Balasari from PassFans.com. And before we get to that, let's start talking about, you know, um, the Gronkowski boat cruise that I want to um, touch base on. Yeah, like I was saying, you know, that boat cruise, I'm telling you, that's epic. 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 From the videos and the pictures and whatnot, I'm talking like Project X on a boat. <laughs> that's what it looked like. It looked great. Gronk was wilding. I saw um, Stephen Ridley was there. Stephen Ridley yeah. was there? Stephen Ridley was there. You had Flo Rida. You had artists. His brothers on the boat going off. His dad on the boat going. His father wild. was there. His father was. His father was lit. On that boat. <laughs> the Gukowski family is crazy. I'm telling you, man. I've never seen. I've never seen anything like that with a professional athlete. I mean, not. I know you know professional athletes. You know maybe they get big hotel rooms or rent out. Oh yeah. You know clubs or VIP section, whatever the case may be, and they go off. I've never seen something just so presented. And put in the media and in the public's face. And it was something party, that was promoted. Like, I heard about this last year when he won the Super Bowl that he was going to do this party boat cruise thing. And then once it happened, you just, like you said, all over media. But, listen, I don't have a problem with it. I have no problem with Gronkowski having fun with the boat, boat cruise and everything. And I've seen it all over ESPN. Everyone's cherishing it. But I do feel like when it comes to Rob Gronkowski, there's a huge, huge double standard. And this is what I mean by that. Through the media, everyone sees Gronkowski as this lovable, funny, happy-go-lucky guy, you know, brute, having fun, goes parties, party animal, and everyone, ha- no one has a problem with that at all. We, pre- we pretty much, you know, we cherish it in a way. But say a guy like Cam Newton who's been criticized for dancing a little too long or not being so professional. Say he went out on the, he did a boat cruise, promoted it just like Gronkowski did. How would that, how would media's reaction take that with Cam Newton or any other football player that's not Rob Gronkowski? That's what I'm trying to say here. I feel like, if Cam, I'm gonna say Cam Newton because I feel like he's he's a good person to say he's ne- he's never done anything wrong with the law or anything like that. He's up there in stature with Rob Gronkowski. So if, if Cam Newton were to do a boat cruise, how would the media react to that? I mean, I I hear what you're saying. I feel like you know a Cam Newton. I'm trying to think of any other players. Uh, it's just, it's just tough. I mean. Rob Gronkowski has just since he's since he has uh, come into the league, he's just taken on this 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 party boy type of persona, and it's just been a part of him 
you know, like I said, since he's came into the league. You so, always, so, so what? I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, it's, it's crazy because he's taken on his persona and it's just been accepting to the media. This guy, party boats. Why party is, that's, and that's my and, question. Why yeah. is that accepted? It, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Cause Any other time, athlete, we, we would will murder them for doing something like it, that. Yeah, it's tough because like a guy like Cam Newton or 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 um, Johnny Manziel. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out. Don't there. put Johnny Manziel's on. A, we don't. <laughs> talk, we're not talking <laughs> about druggies right boat. now. They, he, he's, yeah, he's on another boat in, in <laughs> NFL. He's on another boat. But I mean, yeah, it's just it's just crazy how. The, a party to that magnitude. I mean, you just you just can assume what the heck is going. If I'm on that <laughs> boat, like it's a party like that. Okay, you don't got to tell me too much. <laughs> you don't got to tell me too much. But so, but the media sees it and just thinks, you know, it's a grand old time, just good old Gronk, big Gronk having fun. But you throw anybody else on that on that boat, like a like a Cam Newton. I mean, uh, anybody, and that doesn't even have to be football, like a. Who's a who's a polarizing figure like that in in the NBA? Curry or LeBron? Curry, LeBron. Like, is it going to be the same if if they was they was the guys on this boat dancing and twerking with dancers and doing all that crazy stuff that they grunk so? I don't think it'd be the same. I really don't. This, this, and my question is why why is that? I'm not, and that's why I, w- I would love to hear you know Steve Steve's um, take on this as well is. Why are we putting Gronk on another stature just because he has that party lifestyle? But other other players, we started crit- Cam Newton got criticized crazy because he's not married to his baby mother. What? Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. He, the, the newspaper started to ask what kind of man Cam Newton is because he didn't marry his baby mother. That's wild. I mean... But yet you have Gronkowski, the face of a not not that he went to a party a party cruise, it was his party cruise. Yeah, it's just it's just the way Gronk has come into the into the spotlight, and this persona has just been riding with him for years now and years and years. It's just accepting to everybody like. ESPN just covering it like it's a, like it's a <laughs> top segment. You As know, if he top, won a championship. At the top of the hour, we're going to go live and highlights from Gronk's party boat. Like, didn't, I think they sent a correspondent on the boat, too, to, like, <laughs> to like report, like, what's taking place or, or whatever. If you go on, like, ESPN's Twitter, they're, they're constantly, t- they were constantly yeah. tweeting about the party. I saw a lot of tweets, uh, whether it be through, you know, Bleach Report. ESPN, you know, a lot of Instagram videos and whatnot of this is this is what's happening on the boat next. Now, now full riders report uh, performing, and now uh, all the brothers are on stage. Now the part, now the fathers doing this. Gronk's talking to the. It was a lot of a lot of stuff being reported through many different social media outlets. So let me let me put this out there: Does race have anything to do with this? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people that look at it. Or could take that. You could take a lot of different avenues with this thing. I'm sure. Um, definitely, race plays a part in it as well. Um, is it okay for Gronk to do it because he's a white athlete? Is it is it not okay for for a guy like Cam Newton to do it because he's a black athlete? I mean, race can be an avenue taken. I'm think it's one of the many avenues or ways you can look at it. Look at it for sure. And I believe we have Steve on the line. One second. 
Steve getting online with us here. Patriots Beat Podcast. Patriots Beat Podcast. Hey, this is Steve Balistrieri calling. Okay, we got Steve Balistrieri from PatsFan.com. How are you doing, Steve? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for uh, inviting me today. I really appreciate it. No, this is it's really, thank you for doing this. Steve, we're actually in the middle of a conversation here that I would love for you to join. So right now we're speaking on, you know, Gronkowski's party boat cruise. And you know how it's been getting so much media coverage. It's been everywhere on ESPN. If you tweet, Instagram, everything has been out there. So I would want to know, I I was telling Mike, I feel like there's a huge double standard when it comes to um, Robert Gronkowski. Me, I love it. I love all he does. I love the partying because I know when he's out on the field, he gets his job done. But I was saying to Mike, what if it was a guy like Cam Newton who had a party boat cruise? Would we get the same reaction that the media's covered? Would it be cherished like we're cherishing this Gronkowski's boat cruise? Or is it a double standard we would have been criticizing Cam Newton? Oh, I think no matter what Cam Newton does, people are going to – some people will find some fault with it. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, Newton is one of those guys that either people love him or they can't stand him and – there's kind of no in between on that. Now, that being said, we we've known Gronk has this has been his personality since you know the Patriots drafted him, and you know we saw that the, the night he was drafted when he uh, put the Patriots helmet on and he gave the commissioner a bear hug, and you know uh, that's just that, who he is. Definitely, I mean, but uh, I would say a lot of a lot of guys like to party though. Like let's yeah. let's not, let's not say Cam Newton. Let's just use any other athlete. I feel like Rob, Rob Gronkowski is one of the few players that could get away with doing this. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, that's just you know he has that personality, and people realize that you know he's not you know that's uh, he's really like a big giant kid. I mean that's. <laughs> That's the best way to describe him. But, you know, and that being said, his work, act, uh, his work ethic excuse me, is uh, off the charts. Yeah, we've seen that when he's rehabbing from injury, when he's at practice. And, you know, even Belichick raves about his work ethic. So we know when it's time to put his nose to the grindstone, Gronkowski has always been right there. And that's never a question of, you know, does his playtime interfere with his work time? So... Yeah, I see, think that I definitely have to agree with you there. I mean, I feel like the fact that Gronkowski has never ha- had any like run-ins with the law. We never had to, the Patriots never had to deal with any off-season issues, you know, anything like that. I feel like that somewhat balances out the fact that maybe you know the media, the team, kind of gives him a pass when it comes to this all this partying and all this kind of outlandish stuff that he does. I think he gets a pass due to the fact that for the most part. When it's time to go to work and be on the field, you know he does he does his job, and he's one of the best in the league at his job. You know what I mean? Right. And you know the other thing, he he is responsible with his partying. If you've ever noticed, he has the Gronk party bus, which they have a designated driver. So you know when he goes out, he's not going to get a DWI. He's not going to get in you know in, in any kind of trouble like that because he has a driver that's going to take care of him and. You know, make sure he gets where he's going safely. So, you know, uh, for all we uh, 
we 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 shake our heads sometimes at his antics. You know, he's he's got a, a good head on his shoulders. I know I I happen to spend some time with him during the season, and you know he was filming some commercials for Capital One, and uh, he he mentioned that he has, hasn't spent a dime of his Patriots money since he was drafted. I heard about that. Yeah, and yeah, he's uh, he's only lived off his endorsement. So I think yeah. You know, he he's one of those smart kids that just, I mean, he is who he is. He likes to have a good time. So, Steve, you've been covering sports for a long time. So have you ever seen anything like that to the point where ESPN is having coverage of a party? Hmm. Hello? Hello? Yeah. Are we still there? Yes. Okay. I was wondering. Have you ever seen anything like this where ESPN shows coverage of a party? No, I never have. Other than maybe somebody's like a Super Bowl party or whatever. But no, you know, that's uh, the fact that they did a whole story on it is, you know, it lends itself to this whole Gronkowski image thing. You know, uh, I've never seen anything like it. I don't know if you guys have. Never, never. Never at all, never at all. Crazy. <laughs> but I want to switch gears a little bit, Steve, and get your take on, I mean, a lot of people, uh, you know, as they saw how the last season ended, you know, Patriots losing to Denver and Mahai City, a lot of people have their take on what they think the Patriots can do to improve the team um, going into next season, whether it be moves with the coaches, uh, roster moves, draft picks, whatever the case may be. I wanted to get your take on what you feel this team could do to improve heading in to the 2016 NFL season? Well, you know, the, the main thing is, is they, they have to stay healthy at the end of the year. I mean, they had so many guys on IR by the end of the year. True. It was reaching the point of ridiculousness there. But, you know, looking forward to where they can improve, I think, uh, you know, I think they need a, a, a upgrade. They're going to have to get one eventually for uh, Sebastian Vollmer. I, you know, I, I've always thought he's been one of the better right tackles in the NFL. But, you know, he's getting up there, uh, he, and the big guys with back problems don't usually get any better. I mean, so I think we're looking at, you know, him starting to degrade as time goes on. I would love to see them pick up a guy in free agency. I, I know one guy that I like is Mitchell Schwartz from Cleveland. And then, you know, move Baldwin to the swing. And then they could have him uh, prolong his career maybe by a couple of seasons, and then he'll he'll still find some time on the field there. What we need to uh, do the is other get thing rid of I would Marcus like to see him, Yeah, the, uh, I would love to see them get a big, physical uh, wide receiver. You know, that can play on the outside and have some speed. I know, not necessarily a deep threat because that's you know we we hear this all the time. But the Patriots on a deep throwing team, but. I would like to see somebody with speed that, you know, once they catch the ball, is a uh, is a threat to go all the way because you can't catch them because they have the smaller, shiftier guys underneath the, you know, the Julian Edelman's, the Danny Amendola's. Yeah. If uh, he comes back healthy at the start of the year, Dion Lewis. Now, if they have a bigger, more physical, faster guy, I think that would really help this offense. And they need a they need a new. You know, upgraded running back as well. They need a big guy that can carry the rock 15 to 20 times and, you know, stay in the pass block. 
You know, I know they're, they're going to bring back uh, Garrett Blunt, but I would love yeah. to see them pick up another guy as well. I'm, I'm not... I'm not a big fan of the um the Le- Garrett Blunt sign. Well, I know there's talks right now. It's small talks, but I'm not a big fan of bringing back Garrett Blunt. But you mentioned um big receivers. I know Muhammad Sanu and Marvin Jones. Those are two names that have been out there. What what are your takes on those? Yeah, you know, I th- Sanu is the guy that everyone is kind of penciling toward the Patriots, which usually means that he won't come. <laughs> uh, you know, but I-, I think he would be a fit here. Uh, but to me, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not sure he's the guy they really need. I'm, I, you know, I, I think uh, he can do well here. But he, to me, he's uh, he's a guy that you know can tend to disappear. Now, granted, he was behind AJ Green and uh, you know in Cincinnati, which is, is, is easy to disappear from. They had Tyler Eifert as well, so. You know, and, and Marvin Jones. So, uh, you know, it, it's tough. But um, I, I would like to see them go, go after uh, one of these bigger kids in, in the draft and possibly, uh, you know, see what they can get out of them. I know they haven't had good luck in the we draft. Have no luck. I mean, Dobson is still a huge disappointment in my eyes. That we yep. second round pick six two six three, and it just it hasn't panned out with him. No, and you know, you know, I've watched this kid, and it's like, you know, the last couple of years, you, you watch him in training camp, and then there's days when he looks everything like you, yep. you know, you knew what they were looking at when they drafted him, because there's times when, you know, he takes over a practice or you know a preseason game or whatever, and you, you look at him and you say, this is a guy that you you know what they saw in him. And then he he can't stay on the field. He Softer gets dinged up. Paper. He gets hurt. <laughs> Always you know? hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't mean to backtrack a little bit, but, I mean, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, you'd like to see Sebastian Volver maybe move on the line and whatnot. Um, I know uh, Marvin here has been talking about getting rid of uh, Marcus Cannon for a while. But I wanted to get your take on um them, the Patriots bringing back uh, Dante Starnecchia, former offensive line coach, and now coming back to the team. Uh, me, personally, I feel like, the Patriots probably should have gone in a new direction, you know, brought in a new voice to the locker room for that offensive line. Because as we as we've seen over the last last season, especially that offensive line has really been a key problem, you know, especially keeping guys healthy. But you know, just protecting Brady, and uh, especially with him not being a mobile quarterback. Uh, what do, what are your takes on on them bringing back uh, Dante Starnecchia to be the offensive line coach? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. It's like when the, when they did this, I wrote about it at the time that. I thought it was a great short-term move, but it doesn't help them in the long term because, you know, he had already retired and he's getting up there in age and yeah. he's only going to coach, you know, maybe another couple of years and then, then they'll be right back to square one where they were at. I would have loved to seen them groom somebody to take over the position or bring somebody in that could take over and reach these younger kids because they got, they started three rookies on the interior of the line. Now, granted, Garnacki had a big hand in drafting each one of those. I yeah. mean, you know, so he's a guy that knows their their strengths and weaknesses and can bring out the best of them. But at the same time, you know, you have to be looking toward the future, and that's something they always seem to do. And I would have loved to see them do exactly that, and you know, bring in another guy, maybe some fresh blood, and see what they can work with that. But it, I think in the short term. I think you can't go wrong with Skarnacki. I think he's one of the best positional coaches 
there's ever has been, you know, especially the offensive line. Yeah, I definitely feel like a new voice was definitely needed in that locker room. Um, just, just especially seeing how uh, the last game went. You know, I read today on uh, RealGM.com that Tom Brady was hit 20 times in that AFC Championship game, and that was the most hits taken by a quarterback all season long, if I read correctly. And, I mean, especially with, you know, Brady getting up in age and, like I said, him not being a mobile quarterback, a guy who's just going to move out the pocket and escape uh, these these Vaughn Millers of the world, uh, I feel like the offensive line is definitely at the, should be at the top of the Patriots list in improving, you know, getting guys there uh, who can really make sure that this aging quarterback, while he's aging, you know, still one of the best, if not the best in the league, has all the protection in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I, I believe somebody wrote, it might have been on NFL Network, they mentioned it, that Brady was hit more in that game since any quarterback's been hit since 2006. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's going back away. So any question anyone has about toughness should be answered there. I mean, Brady hung in there. And, that's true, yeah. Yeah, even at the end of the game, I mean, as bad as he was getting beat up, they came within a two-point conversion of going to overtime. So I'm you, man, the resilience he, of him and that team. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, he, uh, you have to give him credit there. But, you know, getting back to the offensive line, especially the interior, you know, those guys, those all those three rookies that started in there, you know, Andrews, uh, Shaq Mason, and Trey Jackson, yes. you know, we should see a significant jump in their play in year two. I hope so. uh, now they're used to the NFL game. I, I, would, I would be shocked if they're not much better this year. I, I, I wasn't really concerned as much long-term with the interior of the line as I am the outside. You know, they lost Solder. You know, uh, Volmo was banged up, and I, I thought that was really what hurt them going down the stretch. You know, their running game suffered all year long, but I think that's going to get better next year, especially with Mason, who came from, you know, that uh, option attack at Georgia Tech. Yeah, those guys should yeah. definitely definitely improve, you know, as next season comes around. Yes. So, pretty much what I'm getting from you and Mike is we need to protect. One, we need protection, and we need weapons. And I'm saying Danny Amendola, this coming season, 2016, he will be making, I believe, $5 million, which is pretty much at the same level with, um, I believe it was Emmanuel Sanders and Jordy Nelson around that area. And we can all agree that Amendola is nowhere close to that level of talent. Um, I think we should, me personally, I think we should cut Danny Amendola. I think our ties with him is are gone. It's him and LaFell. But what, what is your take on Amendola and this this contract situation? Well, I think if they can reach, uh, you know, an agreement with him where, you know, if... Uh, they can lower his cap number. I would love to see him come back because, you know, uh, he's another guy that gets banged up a lot, but he's a tough kid. And, you know, he's worked well with Brady in the last couple of years. Uh, I thought he had a really good season this year. He had his best season. I agree he had his best season last yeah. year. Yeah, and, you know, I, I would like to see him come back if it's the right amount of money. But, you know, the ball's in Amendola's court because he has, I think it's $2.6 million guaranteed so, you know, if the Patriots want to cut him beyond much more than that, he's yeah. going to take his $2.6 million and go somewhere else. And then 
you know, he can get two million from somebody else or three, and you know, uh, he, he's going to be making the same amount of money. So, um, you know, in, in regards to LaFell, we'll see one way or the other how the Patriots felt about him. I know Bill Belichick spoke at the end of the season about how his his foot was wasn't right all. Yeah, I, I heard about that as well. Yeah, and that you know it really affected him. Well, we'll, we'll find out soon enough because it, I, once I think once the season starts, if they felt it was a physical thing holding him back, I don't then think it was bring his... him back. You know, he has no guaranteed money, so it won't hurt them to bring him back and at least try to win his job back in training camp. I hit. That's, uh, as far, that's as far as I'd, I'd give him with the, with the leash. Try to win a job come training camp, but yeah. I mean, depending on how he performs there, no problem cutting ties with with Brandon LaFell. I tell you, was it? No, it wasn't his and feet, you know, if, if they felt balls. like it wasn't a physical thing, then I think they'll cut him loose right at the beginning of the uh, league year. You know, the first week in March. I think that's you know, we'll we'll find out quickly with him. I don't think they're going to delay it. If they really feel like you know he's not in their plan, that definitely, I definitely agree. Well, Steve, we are out of time, but I appreciate it very, very much for taking some time to talk to us. Where can we find you on social media? Well, thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. You can find me on Twitter at Steve B at Seven SFG. I write for PatsFans.com and I do a, a podcast for them. And I also do a podcast for Pro Football Central as well. And uh, you can always find me on Twitter. I'm always on there. I appreciate it very much. Thanks a lot, Steve. Appreciate the call, man. Take it easy. Have a good day. You guys, too. Thanks again. All right. All right. So that was Steve Basseri. And um, we're going to keep it moving. He said a lot of interesting things. Mike just fell in the studio. I'm sorry. I got really, I got really distracted. Mike just fell in the studio. Wow. But yeah, that was Steve. He said a lot of interesting, interesting things on um, Brandon LaFell and Danny Amendola. One thing about me, you guys are saying bringing him back. Um, I, I guess we, we can make excuses about his foot not really being, you know, there, but. He dropped a lot of balls, and it wasn't his feet that was a problem with that. Yeah, Amendola. I mean, not Amendola. You good, LaFell, though? Are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, LaFell, just like we were talking about earlier, I mean, his performance, I mean, foot, not his foot, whatever the case may be, his level of play definitely dropped off from his first, his first season in a Patriots uniform, and I mean, if a guy's not right and not healthy, don't play him. You know what I mean? Like, if there is a was an issue, a lingering issue all season long with his foot, why put him on the field? I mean, through those first couple of those couple of games where he played and he clearly wasn't performing at a high level, why continue to play him? Why continue to give him uh, those snaps that he got when you got guys there fully healthy that should be on the field the whole time, like Keyshawn Martin? who was yes. putting in work yes. out of nowhere. Patriots always going to find those guys out of nowhere. I don't know where Keyshawn Martin played before, what Ke- school he went to, what team, what roster he was on before. No, this. no one knew. No one still knows. He just, he just came out of nowhere. And he performed at a high level. And also, um, going along with Steve said, I mean, I like Amendola. You know, when he first came to the, to the Patriots, a lot of people questioned his toughness. I mean, dealing with a couple of 
injuries that first season. I, I remember him. First game. First, first game, game against the Bills. You know, you know, dealt with some injuries. And people sometimes were questioning, like, oh, he's dealing with that injury and he's not playing? Like, he's, he's, this guy's kind of soft. Like, why is he not on the field? But I feel like uh, last season, last season was his third season with the Patriots, right? Yes. Third season. I feel like he showed a lot of toughness and, like, I mean, I mean, he was no, he was no Edelman on the field. But though some of those games where we were missing Edelman, uh, a couple of games we didn't have Gronk, Amendola put in work. Like that guy, you know. There's a couple of times where we, I think he was he was going for a stretch where he didn't drop, he hadn't dropped a pass. He has very, he has very, and a, and a long stretch of games, you know, he he didn't drop a pass, and I mean, he made, he took some big hits. Got right back up, and whether he was hurting or not, you didn't really show it, and he stayed on the field and kept chugging along. So, I mean, Amendola's guy, yeah, he's making a lot of money. Does he deserve that? Jordy Nelson, and who's the other guy? Emmanuel uh, Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders. Does he deserve money on the level of those guys? We're talking Jordy Nelson, number one option in Green Bay. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, one uh, number one, two option over there in, in Denver. Is is Amendola on that level? Not, not a, a number one option. I mean, option we, we thought he was. We thought he was going to be. Yeah, he was supposed to be West Welker's replacement. He was supposed to be the West Welker replacement, and then he was supposed to be. You know, the future was supposed to be Amendola. You know, Gronkowski. You know, Edelman was going to still be around, and then whoever else the Patriots had on the roster. That was that was what the team was supposed to look like moving forward. And then we saw over time the development of. Of um, Julian Edelman and his level of plays just rise skyrocketed. So I mean, Amendola has been solid. I, def- I think last year, if there was any questions about him and his toughness and anything, I think last season really you know solidified him and his role on his team. And along with that, I feel like he's really building up a good relationship with Tom Brady, Edelman, and I mean we've seen if if wide receivers ha- usually have a good relationship with Tom Brady, maybe working out with him in the offseason and whatnot. The GOAT, the greatest of all time, he'll find you and he'll make it work. Tom Brady can make me go a hundred receptions okay, and a stop, thousand okay, yards. Let's stop you right there. He can do let's, it. Let's stop you right there, Mike. <laughs> I don't know about a hundred receptions. But Steve also mentioned another player's name briefly that I would like to talk about. LeGarrette Blunt. You know, there's been reports out that the Patriots and LeGarrette Blunt are are having mutual interests to come back. And to be honest with you, Mike, I'm not a big fan of this. You're not feeling LeGarrette Blunt? Uh, LeGarrette Blunt's not that special to me. He's very, very placeable in my in my opinion. He didn't really show me much this year. I mean, I, f- I feel like the guy only shows up when he's facing the Colts. He got something against the Colts. I don't know what it is, but he'll go for five touchdowns in that game. And other than that, what much does he give you? I mean, he's a he's a power back. He's a power back. And, I mean, I don't see LeGarrette Blunt as a guy for a team that should be taking, like, 25, 30, 30, 35, whatever uh, snaps, carries a game. Like, he's not that type of running back. I feel like he's that type of back that third and one, fourth and one, goal line. That's it. That's, that, all, that's all he should be. But Granted, he's had, he's had games, like like you just said, against the Indianapolis uh, Colts where he has gone off 
over 200-yard rushings, whatever the case may, may be, multiple touchdowns. Um, since he's been with the Patriots, he's, he's had 370 carries for 1,756 yards and 16 touchdowns. Pretty impressive stats in not even two full seasons. I mean, he played one full season. How many seasons was he with the Patriots? Three? He, I mean, because remember, he came he came back. This is his second stint with the Patriots, but True. I think his third Third, season. yeah, and then there was that, that year he left, he just straight left Pittsburgh. He just walked off <laughs> just the walked field. just walked off the field. And That's Brady, another story for another time. There's some just, conspiracy uh, theory Belichick on that. Belichick just said, hey, man, come right on <laughs> back, no problem. The guy's suited up the next game. But, I mean, the numbers don't lie. He's been pretty solid with 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 the Patriots, but at the same time, is he a feature back? No. Not at all. He is not a feature back. Do the Patriots have a guy on the roster right now who could be a feature back? I mean, there's Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis we was, don't know his was perfect for how we used him, though. Yeah. I mean, like, like we know the Patriots and their offense. They don't need a... Uh, uh, Arian Foster type of running they back. They don't need a featured back. Or they don't general. need a featured back like that who's going to uh, rush 25, 30 times or something like that. They need a solid guy who we've seen similar to Deion Lewis, uh, Shane Vereen when he was here, someone along those lines. And, I mean, you know, hoping that Deion Lewis can get back on the field, you know, I think I saw a report yes, recently on Comcast Sportsnet that um, through his, his uh, rehab and whatnot, Deion Lewis should be ready to go week one of the 2016 season. And, hey, that's all great signs. But sometimes with these ACL torn, these these knee injuries, players don't always come back the same player that they were before the injury. So we don't know. We don't. I mean, yes, his knee could be in good shape. He could be ready to go week one and whatnot. But we don't know what kind of shape he'll be in in terms of maybe – kind of fear and hesitation because of the knee injury. Who knows? We just got to hope for the best. And then there's also um, James White. James White, he's there. I mean, he stepped up and had some solid games he, as well. He wasn't a Deion Lewis, but he, but yeah. he, he filled he filled in the, the role. Exactly. He filled in pretty pretty nicely. And I mean, I think that's another definitely another position the Patriots have to look at because you bring back LeGarrette Blunt, don't know what you're going to get from him. He's not a feature back. You don't know what kind of shape Deion Lewis is coming off of his ACL injury. Uh, is James White li- li- really the next man up in position to get a lot of snaps, get a lot of carries, um, get get a lot of looks out of the out of the backfield? Who knows? Or are we looking at another situation where the Patriots are bringing in somebody else, similar to how they brought in uh, Stephen Jackson, even though. You can't stand Steven Jackson. It's not that I can't. I, this, I have nothing against Steven Jackson. It's just Steven Jackson's finished. I don't know. I don't know. But Steven Jackson needs to retire. Steven Jackson should have retired last year. All signs point to we won't be seeing Steven Jackson back in a Patriots uniform. I haven't heard that guy's name we once. Should, we shouldn't see Steven Jackson in a uniform. Wow. Co- coach, wow. coach high school son. This guy's putting an end to this man's career. He, had, he had a great St. Louis he's career. Putting an end to the man's career before he even announces anything. He should have never cut the dreads. Jeez. Stu said he Samson lost all his powers. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. But along with that, I mean, who knows? I still, 
My whole thing is, I know uh, when we had Steve on, we touched on it too. I'm still caught up in this offensive line coach and bringing Dante Starnecchia back. Something about that just rubs me the wrong I, I, way, man. Hey, it's the Patriots. They're cheap. They're not <laughs> going to go out and look for an offensive line coach. They were begging. It's not like they said, hey, can you come back? They were begging for Dante to come back. Like, we need you back. And they knew they would get him for cheap. I mean, he already knows the system. He knows everybody. So it was win-win for both of them. I don't. The man. I mean, sixty-eight years old. It's kind of old. He's all right. I mean, but like, I feel like they should have got a new. He wanted to retire. Let the man retire and enjoy his retirement and chill. Maybe he had that itch, Mike. The itch. Don't to give come me. Back. Don't give me that itch talk. I don't want to hear that itch talk. That itch, itch to talk. Come back. I don't want to hear that itch talk. That itch talk. Feel me? I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. But I mean, get a new voice in the locker room at that. The offense. Let's not sugarcoat it. Come on. There was more games than than not where the offensive line was terrible. Horrible. Brady getting beat up. But then again, we didn't. That guy a lot of credit for taking some some beatings back there. We didn't realize how terrible the offensive line was until Deion Lewis got hurt. Fair to say. I mean, yeah. Once the injuries started piling up, that's when we realized how bad the line was. And you know, Steve touched on Vollmer, Vollmer getting hurt. Then you got to start rotating guys in and out. And in the beginning, the beginning of the year, when we were rotating the offensive line. Everyone was credit, crediting Bill Belichick like, wow, he's look at this rotation and it's working. Once some injuries started happening, that's when we're like, whoa, this offensive line. Whoa, Marcus Cannon cannot block. <laughs> Stupid Marcus <laughs> Cannon always talking about Marcus Cannon. I mean, yeah, it, I, I just feel like, you know, Starnecki did his time. You know, he was a coach, offensive line coach with the Patriots for how long? From 2000, he's been with the organization since 91. Forever, sorry, ever, sorry, sorry, sorry. Forever, ever? He's been forever, with the organization ever? in some capacity since 1982. Oh. He's been a special teams coach, a tight ends coach, uh, special assistant, defensive assistant, uh, assistant head coach, offensive line coach. Those are some of the multiple uh, positions he's had. He's been with the team since 1982. And I'm not discrediting anything that the man has done. You know, he's been with the team when they won the cha- all their championships. He's with the team when they made the Super Bowl back in 95 against Green Bay. But I just feel like a new voice is necessary. I, I, I get your <laughs> side. I understand your point of view, getting a new new coach in. But if it's not broke, don't fix it. Don't fix it. Let's see what he... Let's see. Maybe he just had that itch and he wants to come back. Who knows, man? Who knows? Um, NFL Network analyst Mike Mayock said that the Patriots will be zero in on offensive line, wide receiver, and defensive backs in the draft. I like the sound <laughs> of that. I mean, hey, the draft is always one way to build build your team up. You know what I mean? And hopefully... The Patriots get diamonds in the roughs. That's what I want to see happen. I mean, we don't we don't diamonds pick in the rough. We don't pick until the sixtieth overall. Yeah, and uh, and they lost those picks due to the whole Deflategate situation and whatnot. 
But like I said, diamonds in the roughs. Diamonds in the roughs. That's what I'm looking for. You know, you never know who you're going to find. And like we, we've seen over the, over the, over the past, the Patriots, they're good at finding those random, no-name guys who just out of nowhere come to, come to the team and ball. Deion Lewis, Keyshawn Martin, these guys out of nowhere put in the work. So, you know, I don't stress the draft too much. You know, I don't say, oh, Patriots need to get this this top defensive back or top safety or wide receiver. I don't stress it too much. Because some way, somehow, Patriots, I mean, even though with wide receivers and the Patriots haven't been clicking these last couple of seasons and Patriots haven't been getting lucky. But some way, somehow, they'll find guys, whether it's through draft, free agency, at the YMCA, whatever the case may be, <laughs> they're going to find some guys to step in and put in work. The sad thing is you're not kidding. <laughs> they, they would they would find someone at the YMCA. I'm telling you, I man. Swear, I, I swear Malcolm Butler was playing was at Walmart as I'm a cashier. You, I swear I played flag football with Malcolm Butler <laughs> at the at the park, bro, down the street from my house. But he must have, the Patriots said, hey, man, got a job for you. You must have been chopped liver if they didn't <laughs> see, look at you. Nah, man, Patriots football ain't my forte. <laughs> in, in sad news, though, in sad news, I know you want to speak on this a little bit. Gerard Mayo has retired. Yeah, man. Uh, Gerard Mayo was a leader. When I mean, he was a real leader on that team, on the Patriots. I mean, he'd been with the team. He came to the league, and he really didn't waste any time stepping into a leadership role. One, one rookie of the uh, defensive rookie of the year. Defensive Rookie of the Year? Yeah, 2008. Wow. See, well, yeah, going along with that, you know, he came into the league. And those first couple of seasons, he put in work. He put in work with the Patriots. I mean, that guy was a solid, solid linebacker. Only 30 years old. It, only 30. It sucks, man. You can only, with him, you can really just be like, damn, what could have been? That's true. It, injuries really derailed in the past three years. And this this past year, he just looked old. He looked very old. An he old 30. Looked, he looked an old 30 yeah. on the wrong side of 30. Yeah, man. Yeah, indeed. His first season, 2008, 128 tackles combined. 2009, 103 tackles combined. His, his, his third year in the league, 2010, 175 tackles sorry. combined. Sorry. Sheesh. He put in work. And he missed a couple of games in 2011. Uh, nine, only 95 combined tackles. But then 2012 was his last, you know, fully healthy year. 147 tackles. And then, you know, between the last couple of years, it and just, games. It, it just, just went downhill from there. It started going downhill from there. But he put in work, man. But our future linebacker, I love... I said in the beginning of the year our linebacker core was going to be the strength of our defense, and they they proved they definitely proved that we are going to be set for a while with Hightower, Collins. You put in um, easily playing both <coughs> linebacker and defensive, and we'll see, we got a nice young core, and I believe I, don't, I know you don't like um, what's his name Matt, um, the defensive coordinator. But Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia, I think he's terrible. I think but he I sucks. think he did a, I think he did a really good job this year. You know what? I got to give Matt Patricia credit this year because pre-Darrell Revis year, <laughs> I thought that guy was terrible. 
and the defense was poo-poo doo-doo. Thought it was bad. Then you got Darrell Rivas, I'm like, and, and you know, the continued developing of the, uh, the, the linebackers and whatnot. You know, I, I said, all right, you know, these guys are good. They won the Super Bowl. All right, give them a pass. Last season was the real test where I was like, okay, you know, you lose Darrell Rivas and, and Brown are some of these, like, leaders um, in the in the, in the the cornerback, with the cornerback position. Um, then you have the development of, of Malcolm Butler, Gerard, not Gerard Mayo. What's the, what's the linebacker's name? Which the one, one that you just mentioned. Jamie? Jamie, Jamie Collins. Collins uh, Dante Hightower, the continued development of them. This was the, that, the last season was a test season where, okay, uh, Matt Patricia, let's see what you could do. And I, can, I got I to gotta say, he did a hell of a job in his position, defensive coordinator. And these guys really showed that they're, they're, develop, they're developing under the Patriots organization. Uh, they're playing the field is really showing it. Malcolm Butler being named the Pro Bowl. You know, Jamie Collins getting a lot of recognition around the league. Dante Hightower getting a lot of recognition around the league. I can't talk too much trash about Matt Patricia anymore. But we'll see. You know, we'll see. It's a year-to-year thing. We'll see what he does next year uh, with the team. You know, the Patriots are going to do what they can do to improve the roster. So we'll just see moving forward. And I just got some news from um, NFL.com that Deion Lewis's recovery has been quote-unquote encouraging. You know, he's, he went under the knife with um, the famous Dr. James, Dr. James uh, Andrews. I don't know how that guy must be making a lot of money. He takes everybody, care. Everybody he goes takes to care that of all the, Everybody goes. And to they, that. they're saying that he should be up to speed and ready to go out by September. I told but, you, man. I, I heard yesterday on Comcast Sportsnet. I read. I, I saw on TV that they said by week one he should be ready to go. That's very encouraging. But, and, like, Go ahead. Like I said, you never know with those ACL injuries and how people come back, you know, with the confidence in their knee and, and just their fearlessness on the field. That just remains to be seen. But if his knee isn't good, James Andrews doing working wonders for some athletes, man, working wonders. So if he's good to go, he's good to go. And another name that's exciting that's been linked to the Patriots, Matt Forte. Woo! The thing about I would, Forte... I would love to see that. Is he ready to come? Come? To, would he be ready to come to the Patriots and take a, like a reduced role? He wouldn't understand that. If he wants a ring, he's thirty now. He's, he's 30. thirty. He understands that he wouldn't be a featured back. Having him and Lewis together, yeah, that would be, be solid. That would be beautiful. Bye bye. Blunt receivers will never get the ball. You know, Brady would love that. Yeah. Matt, Matt Forte is a guy who can really catch it out the back and, and, and put in work. I mean, that's what that killed us during the um, AOC, the AOC championship game. Brady threw like five ball, deep balls to James White that yeah, James couldn't really just, he couldn't corral, corral in. You get a Matt Forte 6-2 <laughs> running back? That's true. Solid. That's like a, a wide receiver at your running back position. I'm telling you, man. That'd be good. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't see Patriots doing it. I don't. I don't think. It, I don't He's even think it'd be on the Patriots. I think it'd be more on. Him. Is he ready to accept that role where he's not the featured back anymore? I mean, yes, he's thirty, but still, when he was healthy last season and on the field, I had him on my fantasy team, so I know he put in work. He he has been the most consistent running back since he has came. Come I'm telling you, man, solid, 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 solid. But 
if it, if it happens, more power to the Patriots. You added just more star power to Brady, giving Brady more weapons. And you give Brady more weapons, he's going to put in work. Yeah, man, I'm just, you know, looking through the rumor mill of the Patriots. They're also looking at free agent defensive tackle Tyron Walker. He was um, the, the defensive tackle for the Lions. And in only full 16 games, he had, what, 19 tackles. And, oh, he'd been injury prone. 19 <laughs> tackles and two and a half sacks. But uh, he's okay. He's all right. Hey, there's but a lot anything, of options. Out anything there. to beef up, beef up our our inside. I do not mind. I would like to see more of um. A lot of options. There's a lot of options out there. A lot of options, man. I love to see um a, the, the 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 development of um Malcolm Brown. See true. more. See more of him. True. 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 I want to know who's going to be the next guy to step up as a leader. Like I said, you know, losing Mayo was huge. And, yes, Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins. But who's going to be the next guy to step up as the year? I mean, we saw, you know, Gerard Mayo was – Vincent Wilfork was the leader for a while. Yeah. And he kind of took on that role uh, in, in replacing kind of the, the Brewskis and those guys that were there before him. Then it was Wilfork, kind of the leader of that team. Then from Wilfork, it kind of went to Mayo as the leader – uh, the voice of that defensive side. Now, from Mayo, we're going on to, you know, Dante Hightower, Jamie Collins. And I know these guys are still young. I mean, so they'll probably be leaders in the locker room and for the defense for a couple of years to come. But Who's going to be the vocal leader? Is there anybody else that might start developing into, a, like, a vocal leader, like you said, or just I, someone who's maybe kind of silent in the background last season who might kind of step to the forefront this season coming up? I mean, I think... The defense already has established who's the leaders are in the team. I mean, McCordy is really the vocal leader yeah. of the of the defense. Pretty much, he's pretty much taking that role as one of the, you know, the older guys now in the in the studio. So, I I don't think you'll see um you'll see growth in the defense, but I don't know who else will establish as a leader. I think over time, you know, one one guy for sure. I think maybe start stepping up, especially coming off the season last, a season like he did last season, is uh, Chandler Jones. Last season was huge for him. He had a very big season. Big season, you know, one of the league leaders in sacks. Uh, I think over time he'll he'll start, you know, stepping up and having a bigger role defensively, you know, just as a vocal leader for that team right next to, to Collins and Hightower. You know, I'd like to see uh, Chandler Jones step up more. As long as he stops smoking that crap. That, that synthetic whatever he might be putting in his system, who knows, because that story was crazy. And whatever he was on that night, yeah. stay away from that, my friends. Stay away from that. Definitely. But with that being said, you know, looking at the time here, DJ Means and myself will be wrapping up here on the Patriots Beat podcast powered by CLNS Radio. Any final remarks, words, anything you want to say to Patriots Nation, DJ Meese? The future is bright. I just wish we could get those draft picks back. But once again, thank you guys for listening to the show. Let us know what you think, and we'll be back. You guys will be hearing us again. From DJ Meese, I am Mr. Mike Nice. We are signing out. Pats Nation.